Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. I'm Nick Muniz. This is Nick's Nonfiction. Today on the show, we got our back-to-school edition September-themed Think Like a Freak by Stephen J. Dubner. Along the way, you'll learn the secrets of a Japanese hot dog-eating champion, the reason an Australian doctor swallowed a batch of dangerous bacteria, why Nigerian email scammers make a point of saying they're from Nigeria. I think I just came up with a loophole. Guys, we could just call each other Nigers. That works, right? <laughs> think like a freak. September-themed last year, rule breakers, rule makers. I'm taking the side of the teachers this time. A mountain of recent evidence suggests that teacher skill has less influence on a student's performance than a completely different set of factors, namely how much kids have learned from their parents, how hard they work at home, and whether their parents have instilled an appetite for education. Mmm, I love me a good book. I could eat like 300 pages of wheat. Yummy. I digest the material. So, uh, it's impossible to teach people unless your mind is open to information. Did you see this one? Uh, inner school white teacher. The kids had like dragged her out by her hair. It's all over the news. These people are literally doing an impossible job. Okay. You know what they say? Good teachers, they live forever. Bad teachers, they go viral on TikTok. Quote, but as history clearly shows, most people, whether because of nature or nurture, generally put their own interests ahead of others. This doesn't make them bad people. It just makes them human. What you talking about, Stephen J. Dubna? Most people are too busy to rethink the way they think or even spend much time thinking at all. He's going to get on his high horse. We're keeping it light today. The teacher walks into a bar and says, Can I have a beer? The bartender says, I don't know. Can you? <laughs> don't you want to rip your teacher's arms off when they said that? A kid tells his teacher, You only teach useless crap. She replies, Don't be so hard on yourself. <laughs> when my music teacher heard me sing, she said I should be tenor. Ten or twelve feet away from all musical instruments. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back. About the author Stephen J. Dubner and Steve Levitt, Steve Squared. We got the bonus segment today. Skip ahead if you want to hear about topical news. Stephen J. Dubner is an American author, journalist, and podcast radio host. He is a co-author of the popular Freakonomics book series, Freakonomics, Super Freakonomics, and Think Like a Freak. I think he also wrote another, When to Rob a Bank. Could be useful. Born 1963 in upstate New York, his dad died at age 10. 1984, Dubner graduated for Appalachian State University, North Carolina. Studied fine arts. He's gay. He played in a rock band. It was called The Right Profile. The Bonsai Predicament. Another one. The Ferret Community. Band names. So he quit music and he started writing books. He got his first things writing in Highlights magazine. Remember that as a child? Highlights? That went hard. That was better than Playboy. 1998, his first book, Turbulent Souls. A Catholic son's return to his Jewish roots. Where do math teachers go to vacation? Times squared. What do you call an IT teacher that touches his students? A PDF file. Another one. What is an English teacher's favorite cereal? Synonym Toast Crunch. Be right back. Chapter 1. Think like a freak. Think like a freak. He starts out mentioning common misunderstandings people have. Breastfeeding is dangerous. Happiness is suitable long term. Carpal tunnel is caused by cracking knuckles. He says the only reason people keep believing these things is because we've heard it before and probably because of advertising. Was it breastfeeding is dangerous? Buy our baby formula. Happiness is sustained. Just keep buying cheeseburgers. Carpal tunnel? You need Icy Hot, sponsored by Shaq. Holy crap. Shaq. He's a meme lord, Shaq. Economists, that's what you got to give Stephen credit for today. 
They understand incentive, why people do things. If you're advertising, you don't got to sell the product. You got to sell the idea. Quote, thinking like a freak may sometimes sound like an exercise in using clever means to get exactly what you want. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if there's one thing we've learned from a lifetime of designing and analyzing incentives, the best way to get what you want is to treat other people with decency. Decency can push almost any interaction to the cooperative frame. Decency is how you get what you want, Stephen. The United States government, they rule by decency. It's not a $2 trillion military. It's not propaganda, lies, and fear. It's decency. It's how an empire rises to power. We got a number one victory royale. Be decent. That's how you win at Fortnite. <laughs> they did a study telling people to find the cause of carpal tunnel. And same thing, people are like, Will you crack your knuckles? That's what I heard one time. Uh, we'd like to bury the idea that there's a right and a wrong way, a smart way and a foolish way, a red way and a blue way. Modern markets demand that we all think a bit more productively, more creatively, more rationally, that we think from a different angle, with a different set of muscles, with a different set of expectations, that we think that neither nor favor with neither blind optimism nor sour skepticism, that we think Echem like a freak. Ew, he actually wrote out Echem. He's Jewish. Just let me clear you my sinuses. So, in order to solve a problem, you need to understand the issue. Let's go back to the basics, Stephen. Quote, there's nothing magical about this approach. It relies on common sense and often focuses on the obvious. Letting go of biases, political, social, and intellectual, and involving running with the herd mentality will break down barriers that will allow you a new way of thinking. A commitment to put the energy it takes into changing the one way things is crucial. Being willing to take some flack for blurting out new ideas may be controversial, but it's part of a transformative way of thinking. Think like a freak. It does take effort to change your mind. And this is why, like a dumb person, would rather turn on a debate. Obama, soda! Can't wait. 20 <laughs> the debates. Gotta like live stream it. Yeah, it's not hard to watch a debate, but to actually change what you think, that takes some fucking effort. Let two other people argue. David Cameron, the PM of Britain, invited Stephen J. Dubner and Stephen Levitt for tea. Cameron spoke of the economic downturn and recession as the biggest problem facing the nation. Despite being a conservative who believed in austerity, he would protect the National Health Service from being cut or tampered with. But health care costs have doubled over the last decade and were estimated to keep increasing. His devotion to the Great Britain's health care system was based on his personal experience with a sick child. The overconsumption of health and experience in Britain may be, well, patients caused health care prices to increase and made for frustrating wait times. My elbow feel funny. Ma'am, I have a gunshot wound. I am bleeding to death. My elbow feels strange. Let's go. So I'm on the unemployment line the other day. <laughs> That's how every great story starts. But it's about healthcare. Uh, Cameron was not open to this argument and quickly said his goodbyes. At least he got to talk to the PM of Britain. I want to get a beer with Boris Johnson. <laughs> Play around the golf with Boris, Trump. Uh, throw Biden in there. <laughs> He's got to play from the ladies' tees. <laughs> so, yeah. Hypochondriacs, they're overusing and draining our medical resources. For real, if you do go to, like, a doctor's office, nobody's actually hurt. <laughs> That's false, but whatever. Cameron, he's, like... He has this good story about having a sick child. That's why he's a politician. But I think it might be clouding his judgment. What, are we getting political in Chapter 1 here? NASA has a $25 billion budget a year. I owe, like, some bank $40,000 because I got hit and run. I still have to pay that off. <laughs> yes, we help people for their health. I've told that story before, bro. That's one of the things that made me give up on the financial economic system. I owe someone money because I got hit in a random accident. <laughs> so yeah, the only way to come up with rational answers is thinking rationally. And if you fucking think outside the box, now you're thinking like a freak. Not Chapter 2. Three Hardest Words. 
the three hardest words you'll ever hear an American say. We're out of ammo. I'm, I'm full. Let's go for a walk. <laughs> Things you never hear an American say for 500. <laughs> this scenery sure is beautiful. This doesn't need a McDonald's right here. Quote, the three hardest words in the English language to say are, I don't know. If a person knows everything, then there's nothing he can learn. There's a different level of knowledge, scientific, belief-based. That which is fueled by special interest groups for power or money. If you can't question something, it's a religion. Trust the experts. Moving on. The NRNA would have the general public believe that guns aren't behind all the shootings. <laughs> Stephen J. Dubner. <laughs> okay, so we found something I could go in on this chapter. Stephen saying the NRA would have the people believe that guns aren't behind shootings. Right, and forks are behind obesity. It's the person, Stephen. Holy shit, are you that dumb? <laughs> this is how you sell a book to lefties. You just sell out all your economic knowledge for one point. Are you retarded, Stephen? You've never been in the woods? You've never seen a bear? People don't need guns. <laughs> Okay. Dubner, I hope your house gets broken into. I hope you have to fend off an intruder with a fork. <laughs> I'm not even joking. These people are saying, get rid of the Second Amendment. Think again. I don't know. This guy is either a shill or he's never been outside. Either way, it's not a good look. Bro, I can oversee the stupidity, but if you try to take away a man's protection... <laughs> You can fuck right off, Stephen. Quote, a trigger-happy administration sold the people on the necessity of war because the weapons of mass destruction of the Middle East dictators had. Whatever, bro. <laughs> it's foolish of me to think that we should have a well-armed populace. No fucking... The oldest philosophers were writing about it. So it's dumb, right, guys? Because the government has such powerful weapons, we couldn't even stand a chance. Tell that to a Vietnamese dude. Motherfuckers know how to build pipe bombs out here. <laughs> Anywho, let's use his logic. No more forks, no more obesity. <laughs> no more guns, no more shootings. No more condoms, no more sex. This is dumb. If we get rid of guns, we're going to start looking like Britain. You go out for a spot of tea, someone hits you with an acid attack. You're on your way to work, you get stabbed. You're fucking having lunch at a cafe, and a truck plows through the whole thing. <laughs> People want to cause violence. They get creative. Hooting down conventional wisdom about expensive wines. This was a good study. In a double-blind taste test, wine ranging costs from $150 to $150 a bottle found that the average rating was just above average. The most expensive wine fared no better than the cheapest wine. <laughs> that would suck if what you're into, you just have to do one blindfold and it disproves everything. People don't even know about wine. So let's take it a little deeper. Politics is like wine. You pick and choose the D's and the R's to make it sound like you have a palate. When in reality, it's the same exact dog shit. Hello, Bozo. Chardonnay Grigio Democratic Social Green Party. Round and round we go. <laughs> the first brave step toward thinking like a freak is to say these words. I don't know. When you don't know, by doing so, you put others at ease to follow suit. We don't know everything. I talk about fucking cryptids and unknown shit all the time. We've come to the conclusion that it's much better to ask small questions than big ones. Here are a few reasons. One, small questions are by their nature less often asked and investigated. Maybe not at all. They are virgin territory for true learning. Virgin territory of thought. Nick's not fiction. Number two, since big problems are usually a dense mass of intertwined small problems, you can make more progress by tackling a small piece of a big problem than by flailing away at grand solutions. The Republic by Plato. Number three, any kind of change is hard, but the chances of triggering change on a small problem are much greater than a big one. 
Number four, thinking big is by definition an exercise in imprecision or even speculation. When you think small, the stakes might be diminished, but at least you can be relatively sure you know what you're talking about. Think small. Here's a better quote. It takes a lot of courage to admit you don't know all the answers. Just imagine how hard it is to admit you don't even know the right questions. Ouchie, Steven. That's a lot of damage. At the end of the day, it's all crap wine. Chapter 3. What's your problem? Hey, buddy. I'm walking here. Asking the right questions is the only way to elicit the right answer. Large problems facing the country are defined largely in the press. And the press makes us argue about trans people. Yes, and the press knows how to phrase wage issues, I'm sure. They're barking us up the right tree. What are we going to talk about? The worst wedge issue? Abortion? Roe versus Wade? They just overturned it? Let's just argue for another hundred years, and then they'll overturn it again. And then the left gets to stand on top, and then the right. All the while, nobody's asking any bigger questions. So could this be solved by, like, sex education? I don't know. My fucking health teacher never called out the kid who was masturbating in the back of class. They're showing us anatomical pictures of boobs. I was getting horny, too. <laughs> My mind was not receptive. I was too horny. Yeah, they had us the first half. I'm not going to lie. They had us. Oh, my God. Mo I still, most of my life, I've been in school. <laughs> it is conventional wisdom that students fare better with good teachers. However, in-depth research indicates that children who do well in school are those children who have parents who advocate learning and guide their children in developing a good work ethic vis-a-vis -vis their schoolwork and studies. Vis-a-vis. Consider the kind of question that kids ask. Sure, they might be silly or simplistic or out of the bounds, but kids are also relentlessly curious and relatively unbiased. Because they know so little, they don't carry around the preconceptions of often people stopping from thinking big. When it comes to solving problems, this is a big advantage. Go back to square one. In the year 2000, a young man named Takeru Kobayashi, Kobe for short, was an economic student at Yokochaki University. Kobe! Helicopter, helicopter. Let's go. Kobe! He and his girlfriend lived on a shoestring budget, hardly able to afford electricity. He heard about an eating contest that paid the winner $5,000. Kobe wasn't ostensibly a candidate for an eating competition with his small stature and slight build. He entered the contest and decided to apply the game theory that he'd been studying at school. Game theory. Hey girl, you want to chug my hot dogs? He studied winners and losers of previous eating competitions. He learned that those who usually ate too much early on couldn't last in the final stages of the contest. Kobe went on to win the competition. Hey girl, mind if I sign my wiener between your buns? Do you think competitive food eaters get <laughs> groupies? During his months of practice leading up to the first hot dog contest was a series of experimentation and feedback. Based on this research, he devised different methods of eating efficiency. He was tireless in his research and practice runs and considered his training as important as that of an Olympic athlete. Kobe's winning streak wasn't due to an unusual physique or physical tolerance. His methodology can be applied to more than just eating competitions. Initially, Kobe fundamentally engaged in a problem-solving exercise. Instead of asking himself how he could eat more hot dogs, he asked how he could eat more hot dogs easily. That question led him to a path of experimentation and feedback. Kobe also refused to be intimidated by past records. He wiped them out of his mind. Research shows that by lying to themselves, athletes can be tricked into better performance. The past records, they don't exist. Bro, we're capable of more. More. Dubner goes into schooling. The very words education reform indicate that the question is, what's wrong with our schools? When in reality, the question might be better phrased as, why do American kids know less than kids from Estonia and Poland? When you ask the question differently, you look for answers in different places. I'm looking in the same place. Should I make fun of myself now? 
I just sounded like Smeagol there. That's why I don't even want to hear myself again. More. But yeah. Isaac Bashvir Singer, who won the Nobel Prize in Literature, wrote across many genres, including children's book. In an essay called Why I Write for Children, he explained the appeal. Children read books, not reviews. They don't give a hoot about the critics. And when a book is boring, they yawn openly without any shame of fear of authority. Best of all, and to the relief of authors everywhere, children don't expect to be beloved by their writers. I don't even know the author of Diary of a Wimpy Kid. And that's still the best book ever. Hey, bro. When she go down on my Greg, she mad heftily. <laughs> the cheese touch? Diary of a Wimpy Kid. I still don't know who wrote it. You gotta respect, like, kindergarten teachers more than a lecturer at some point. Because I still remember my ABCs. I don't know jack shit from Poli Sci 230. Kindergarten teachers? That's a legend right there. <laughs> Teacher, you would be more scared of the parents probably than the kids at this point. Even if they drag you out by your hair on TikTok. Like, why don't we just ban TikTok in the household? Why does it have to be this big government decision? Isn't social media for adults? Keep the kids gambling on Xbox games. Okay, social media is for adults. <laughs> Maybe kids are the real teachers, man. How many dance teachers does it take to change a light bulb? A five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> chapter four. Think like a child. To start this chapter, adults are not smart. They have mortgages and access to alcohol. Doesn't mean you're using your brain any more than a kid. Kids are trying to figure shit out. Adults, probably less smart. <laughs> I mean, we could do some spiritual bullshit. Once you know everything, your childhood is over. So for some kids that are like six years old on their iPads, pushing their fucking glasses up, I'm seeing a little too many young Sheldons out there. <laughs> if you know everything by the time you're six? <laughs> Another view is that the urgency of a matter caused focus on a narrow aspect of the problem. Some huge societal problems like drugs and crime are addressed by treating the symptom rather than trying to find the root cause. But it's not an easy proposition. When people are starting the tendency to send food not to delve into why the people are starving in other countries, fixing poverty is more difficult than airlifting food. Crime in the U.S. peaked in the 1980s. By the 1990s, there was noticeable decline. Research shows that tight gun laws and improving economy and more capital punishment sentence had no real impact on the crime. So go back to advocating for gun laws, Stephen. The legalization of abortion did have a long-lasting impact on uh, reduced crime rates. Less children who were not wanted and destined for a life of crime were not being born. It is sometimes difficult to look at the root cause problems. You're so smart, Stephen. The war on drugs. That's kind of funny. <laughs> Let's put more cops in football pads on the street. That'll reduce drug use. It's not like people use drugs because they have shit lives. More cops... In military gear, we'll win the war on drugs. <laughs> Good story here. Most people would think that medicine would be a field in which root causes were undisputed. However, it is a field in which one conventional wisdom and dogma overshadows gut feeling and intuition. By the 1980s, ulcers were thought to be caused by stress and overindulging in spicy food. Treatment was naturally geared to alleviate them. The treatment helped to alleviate the pain, but did not cure the lesion. Although the medical and pharmacological communities made billions, research that indicates that there may be a bacterial cause behind ulcers was ignored. In 1981, a young Australian medical resident and a veteran, Robin Warren, explored the possibility of isolated bacteria, H. pylori, that was a root cause of ulcers. But when your gut is out of balance and you're under too much stress, you start fermenting rogue bacteria. Although thinking big sounds impressive, thinking like a freak is thinking small. Every problem that has faced man has been endlessly discussed and debated. It's best to take on a small piece of problem than try to solve it with one broad brushstroke. Trillions have been spent on education reform, real wild, a big ticket item. We gotta think small. Little focus has been placed on students' eyesight or learning problems. <laughs> Let's put the kid in glasses in the back of the class. Good. He does a complete 180. He's talking about 
David Lester. Mo Lester. <laughs> a psychological professor at Richard Stocking College in New Jersey has likely thought about suicide longer, harder, and from more angles than any other human. Doubt it if he's still here. In more than 2,500 academic publications, he has explored the relationship between suicide, among other things, alcohol, anger, antidepressants, astrological signs, biochemistry, blood type, depression, drug use, gun control, happiness, holidays, internet use, IQ, mental illness, migraines, the moon, music, national anthem lyrics, personality type, sexuality, smoking. He's looked into everything. So... Has all this study led Lester to some grand unified theory of suicide? Hardly. So far, he has one compelling notion. It was, might be called no one left to blame theory. While one might expect that suicide is highest among people whose lives are the hardest, research by Lester and others suggests the opposite. Suicide is more common among people with a higher quality of life. What are you even, like, working towards? And to put this in another study within a study, they, like, look at gamers who play for 12 hours at a time. In the middle of the game, they're fucking miserable, <laughs> but they're, like, focused on achieving a goal at the end. So once you achieve your goal, it's fucking over. And then you get H. pylori. If you're unhappy and you have something to blame for your unhappiness on, if it's the government or the economy or something, then that immunizes you against committing suicide, he says. <laughs> it's when you have no external cause to blame for your unhappiness that suicide becomes more likely. I've used this idea to explain why African Americans have lower suicide rates. It's because they keep the kangs down! <laughs> that was a random soundboard, but it came off racist. Why blind people whose sight is restored often become suicidal, and why adolescent suicide rates often rise as their quality of life gets better. Ooh, oof, oof, oof. That's uncomfortable truth right there. Holy shit, blind people that science restores their vision. They kill themselves. <laughs> it's never what it lives up to be. Remember what he said about like athletes having to trick themselves? It's better to know you're being oppressed than to lie to yourself. At least I'm giving you that here. Nick, you need to empower people. We're being kept down. Don't feel bad. Don't kill yourself. Lester. Mo Lester. What, are we going to go back to fucking death of a salesman? Willie had no one to blame but himself. And he could have gone, this system is some bullshit. <laughs> but he's like, I'm just not as good enough of a salesman. I need it to be better to the algorithm. Quote, Why is it so important to have fun? Because if you love your work or your activism or your family time, then you'll want to do more of it. You'll think more of it. Okay, bro. Yeah, be a good person. Children are hard to trick. Magicians find it more difficult to fool children than adults. While the magician directs the audience to focus on something specific, he is doing sleight of hand while the audience is distracted. Adults will obey his order to look at the hat, while the kids look at... Where the fucking rabbit came from? How do they do it? <laughs> Kids are also curious about the magician's trick, while the adult may be focused on exposing the trickery behind the trick. Children also approach a problem with simplistic thinking. So, like, I'm past the phrase of being mad at Klaus Schwab. Bro, I'm tipping my hat to you. How do they do it? You gotta fucking love the trick. <laughs> Dr. Strangelove, we love the bomb. Know that some people will do everything they can to game the system. If only to keep yourself sane, try to applaud their ingenuity rather than curse their greed. Chapter 5, Freakonomics. Ending on what Dubner knows best, gun rights. <laughs> he ends on economics. Quote, here are good and bad incentives. Money is one of the most obvious incentives. People in the U.S. have gained an average of 25 pounds over the last few decades. One reason for this increase is that food has gotten progressively cheaper over the years. Healthy food is more expensive, so the incentive is for people to use their money to buy fast food in those high calories. You're lying, Stephen. You bastard. You're telling me a sack of fucking potatoes is more expensive then your bougie-ass Klondike bars. It's so cheap to eat healthy. You need rice and beans. It's the cheapest thing in the store. You got proteins, carbs, amino acids. 
You're fucking lying. I hate this argument. It's cheaper to eat fat. <laughs> There's other ways that you could prove that McDonald's is supported by the government, bro. There's... You ever... Like, food deserts are real. I'll give them that. Stimulate your senses. <laughs> Five gum. If you're living out in fucking Wyoming, there's no grocery stores. You are literally living off of gum. That's another good argument. It's not that it's cheaper to eat. What are you saying? Get out of the city. <laughs> Food deserts, baby. <laughs> you gotta go hunt a squirrel. Whatever, man. I don't even think, like, candy is cheap anymore. You could probably get ten bananas for the cost of a Twix. A king-size Twix is two fifty. You could easily get ten bananas. Doing food math on Nick's nonfiction. You're pandering, Stephen. <laughs> That's just something fat liberals like to hear. It's cheaper to get McDonald's for your kid. Stop it. Put ten potatoes in the oven. <laughs> Brian Mullaney raised billions in charity by appealing to what he had concluded drives people to donate to charities. Rather than try to demagogue and exploit children who needed surgery by including a picture of sad-eyed children, he developed what he called Once and Done. Under this program, he asked large donations with the promise that he would never ask again. One and done. In so doing, the donors would feel good about helping children and the guilt that the formerly experienced once a month had raised the f uh, children. After several years, most people who could opt out of future commitments once opted back in giving repeatedly. Damn. Guy figured out charity. <laughs> Stop bothering people. An entrepreneurial internet company called Zappos changed the framework between customer and client by extending returning time between available 24-7 by phone and sending flowers for the funeral of clients' loved ones. Zappos couldn't afford to pay their customer service reps for the stellar performance they expected, so they did other things that were fun and exciting. It was a startup, so like, we're not going to pay you, but we have a slide in the office. The company had great success and was eventually bought out by Amazon for $1.2 Oh, Sounds to me like a labor infraction law. Holy crap. Holy crap. So I get 10% equity? And unless we get bought out by a government agency, I'm broke? Holy crap. I'm in. Holy crap. <laughs> but there's that David Cho guy who's on every podcast. He painted a mural in Facebook's office, and now he's a billionaire. So work for free, I guess, is what they want you to think. This is one of my favorite stories. David Lee Roth's rock band Van Halen had it in their contract that M&M candies must always be in abundance backstage, with the caveat that there were no brown M&Ms. Rock stars, man, they're so unpredictable. The deeper layer to this story is it's contract law. So if the venue didn't read the contract, and if there was one brown M&M in my bowl, then guess what? I'm voiding the light charges, the union. All of that shit is gone because I just made a contract about M&Ms. You better read every fucking thing. What do you call vehicles falling from the sky? Van Halen. <laughs> he started talking about rhetoric. This is my art. It's very difficult to change conceptions that a person has held on to for years. The vast majority of time, the individual's opinion is probably not biased in fact. People are entrenched in their bias and worldview. The research has to determine himself that he doesn't have a vote in the matter. Don't even try to convince people of things. His argument will never be perfect because nothing is perfect. Therefore, it is a good idea, although a little risky, to tell other persons up front about some of the flaws in their ideas. Damn. So we talk about rhetoric here. How do you change a fucker's mind? Maybe just point out what they're doing wrong and move on. Stephen, you need a gun to stop a bear. Tyrants, Stephen. You ever heard of those? Move on. While trying to persuade an opponent, all sarcasm and name-calling should be suspended. Add... Hominin. It is positive to try to find out the basis of an opponent's belief. Sometimes stories are told, repeated. Art the best way I've heard it described, I think this might be an Ed Milet. Legend. <laughs> he says belief is like a table. So once you kick out the legs of somebody's table, they automatically try to find balance or look for a new leg. 
So you got to look at the belief itself. What are you believing? Damn, son. In order to cover up his transgression, David, so he's talking about fucking King James, his chick Bethesda, some biblical bullshit. David arranged for Bethesda's husband, a soldier, to die in battle. David then took Bethesda as his own wife. God sent a prophet named Nathan to let David know this behavior was unacceptable. But how does a lowly prophet go about imparting such a message to a king of Israel? So, like, why is the king going to believe a peasant who's actually a spirit? One day a traveler came through. The rich man was happy to feed the traveler, but he didn't want to take a sheep from his own flock. So he took the poor man's only lamb, killed it, and served it to the traveler. The story enraged David. The man who did this deserves to die, not in my city. That man, Nathan, tells him, is you. <laughs> we got some Scrooge McDuck going here. He's being showed Christmas future. So yeah, a lot of bad shit here. He rose to power by stealing another dude's wife. Twelve rules for life. Spell red. Red. L-S-T-E-R. We gotta get Jordan Peterson with the Baba Booey guy. <laughs> Think like a freak. Think that's gonna do it. Thank you, Stephen J. Dubner. There it is. The Nickers, I love you. Check out Harry Short on Instagram if you want some free memes. I would suggest reading this book yourself. It was funny. Took the piss out of Steve. That's what we do here. Got to check out patreon.com for the high-quality bonus content. We're going to be right back with the bonus segment. Random soundboard. Thanks for tuning in. Be right back. Septiembre. On the road. Destination classified. Got some news stories going. Breaking! How wine and candy helped an Australian woman survive five days in the bushland. She doesn't normally drink, but when Lillian's car got stuck in the mud after making a wrong turn on a remote road, she downed the bottle. Police say it might have helped her survive. Bitch did a bender for five days in the Australian bush, came out alive. I've seen enough Bear grills. You could survive off alcohol. Dude. This is the news segment. The Bud Light Boycott. Did you hear about this? This is how the story actually ended. Bud Light donated 50 million cases to an African company. And they got a billion dollar tax write-off. Holy crap. Man, I'm going to buy Bud Light and shoot it with my AR. That'll show the company. They won. Africa. Oh, you, you must now boycott golden necklaces. You must boycott filet mignon. Niger. U.S. Geological Survey. Swastika Mountain is renamed Mount Halo in honor of a historical tribal leader. The story only goes one direction. The swastika is the ancient symbol of peace. Swastika, bro. So I'm hanging on to the peace sign. I do a planner every year, 365 days. I write down what I do. This year, giant peace sign. You know, yin and yang, man. I wonder if that symbol will ever be corrupted. The guy who ate a $120,000 banana in an art museum says he was just hungry. Installations by Italian artist Maurizio Catalan are famously provocative. But his signature work, a banana taped to a wall, fell prey to basic impulse. The hunger it provoked in a South Korean college student. What the fuck? I don't care, bro. So it's all performance art. It's a Korean hungry kid who ate the banana. <laughs> Just uh, to proof this story, go ahead. Tape a banana on your wall. 
Is someone going to come to your apartment and offer you $120,000 because you taped a banana to your wall? It's like famously provocative, the style of art, taping bananas to things. Art? Money laundering. I'm saying tape a banana to your wall. Art is about a skill that most people cannot repeat. <laughs> so I'm saying you got to watch this documentary, Tim's Vermeer. We think all these old artists had impeccable painting techniques. They were using mirrors. So I'm like, once you know the technique, I just need to get in on the money laundering. Anywho, April 28th, 2023. A bus driver in Michigan fainted at the wheel. Then a seventh grader took control. This seventh grader better have gotten head in the back of social studies. He took over the bus like fucking Vin Diesel, Fast and Furious. <laughs> what the hell? This bus driver, I read the full story. And she was like, I'm, I'm going down, I'm fighting. <laughs> and this kid ran to the front of the bus and took over the wheel. They wrote up this big review. He's a great student. Our parents are so proud of him. I'm telling you, this kid doesn't get fucking laid. <laughs> what would you do? And then I would, like, take the bus to Six Flags Great Adventure or some shit. The bus driver is passed out. <laughs> April 12th, 2023. Global warming could be juicing baseball home runs. Study finds. No, no. <laughs> Sports are one haven is now thanks to global warming, juicing home runs. As baseball season heats up, here's something to know. Global warming could be raising your chances of seeing a home run ball sail to the bleachers. What the fuck? <laughs> I talked about it. Minor League Baseball, they're only doing uh, robot umpires. Umpires, referees. Umpiree. Umpiree. Babe Ruth. The man was gay. Think about it. He was a switch hitter. How do you even get the nickname Babe? <laughs> Those are some of the best stories. He ought to have a tray of 40 beers in the locker room. But baseball, we can thank all of the big hitters today because of global warming. January 26, 2023, NPR. Six doctors swallowed Lego heads for science. Here's what came out. Let me save you the time on this read. Shit. Poop came out. <laughs> Who's writing this shit? This is grade A journalism right here. Eating Legos. <laughs> Don't make me do it. The infantilization of society. This is research. For science, we will swallow six Lego heads. <laughs> Stop it. And this is either from APO, Reuters, CNN. I only go to reputable sources for my news. And now I know what happens if you digest a Lego head. <laughs> what does it say on the box? Age 9 to 99. Scientists not included. I need a breather. The news. Why don't we take a break here? We're throwing it over to our sponsors. This episode has been sponsored by Smegma. Do you ever find a congealed substance under the hood of your penis? Smegma. Do it. Welcome back. Another thank you to our sponsors. Couldn't do it without them. <laughs> January 19th, a sailor has been rescued after being adrift in the Caribbean for 24 days. The Colombian Navy rescued a man from Dominica who says he survived 24 days adrift in the Caribbean on a sailboat eating ketchup, garlic powder, and seasoning cubes. 
hey, this is a positive story. He survived, right? Uh, the naval Navy said Francois received a medical check on shore and then was handed over to immigration authorities for his return home to Dominica. Maybe not such a happy ending. May 15th. Denmark's mystery tremors caused by acoustic waves from unknown source. This isn't even a meme story. On Monday, the Geological Survey of De Denmark and Greenland, an official body that monitors the underground, the officials, said the tremors were not caused by earthquakes, but by pressure waves from an event in the atmosphere. Fucking aliens, man, I called it. You ever see the Avengers when they have that thing in the sky that has, it's like an aircraft carrier in the sky? We have them. <laughs> Pure speculation. Yeah, nobody knows what causes earthquakes anymore. Tuesday, May 9th, 2023. Man kept father's dead body in freezer so he could talk to him. The 82-year-old man told a local newspaper that he stored the corpse of his parent who died age 101 because I did not want to let him go or I would miss him. She, she, man. <laughs> this guy's 82 and his dad is 101. Dude, that's blood right there. The blood run thick. If your dad was only 19 years older and you went into deep age, I would keep pops in a freezer. Are you kidding me? <laughs> we just read that book, Stiff. Dock the death. Motherfucker's gonna get cremated. Keep him in the freezer. Police arrest Maryland man in stolen five-ton military vehicle in highway chase. Let's go. <laughs> Michael Stevens, 38, from Abington, Maryland, faces charges of motor vehicle theft. Two counts of first-degree assault, two counts of second-degree assault, failing to obey a lawful order. This is a funny one I've seen. We learned about it in criminal justice. Some people get arrested for refusing arrest. That's the primary charge, refusing arrest. So what did I do to get arrested? Refusing arrest can only be a secondary charge. <laughs> They're going... It's kind of funny, bro. Laws? A little too technical. It was a gigantic Mack truck that Michael Stevens stole. The thing was fucking huge. <laughs> Military grade. I was one time in an Uber, and this guy was talking about he drove in Iraq, but he had this, like, V12 truck, and they would use it as a battering ram. He had some stories. Yo, you gotta see this movie. It just came out recently. Guy Ritchie's new film, The Covenant. It's about a Marine team in Afghanistan, and they have a Taliban interpreter with them. One of the best scenes, he goes, uh, my, 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 Sergeant, you must listen to me. They say that I'm a translator, but I am an interpreter. We are going to get bombed. So the sergeant winds up, winds up trusting this guy, and they're the only two that survive an attack. Even the driver named Jizzy got killed. Jizzy. When when I see a lizard now, I start calling them jizzards. That's fun. Jizz. Jizzy. So this guy has to make it through a hundred miles of Taliban ter territory while dragging a half-dead sergeant. And then he does it, and then immigration can't get the other guy through. So the sergeant flies back with a military contractor and maybe gets the other guy out. The Covenant. Check it out. A peeping goat is on the loose in Chatham Township, New Jersey. A peeping goat. I'd say that's less of a peeping Tom and more of a peeping Billy. <laughs> Got a couple more. Massive Chicago River snapping turtle dubbed Chonkasaurus. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> It's the most Reddit story ever. Chonkasaurus. Um, my 80-pound cat can't stand up, but that's okay because he's my special chonker. Is it normal for your cat's belly to drag three feet behind him? Or is he just a chonker? Your cat is morbidly obese. 
Chuckasaurus. It was a 60-pound snapping turtle. It's a hefty motherfucker. We used to pull snapping turtles out of the lake and then put, like, I remember a cucumber was big. They snapped that motherfucker in half. This year, the bass record was broken in Colorado, too. They found an 80-pound bass. That's like the size of a shark. <laughs> it looked like a gold kit. Like, it was starting to be round, like some sort of a flounder. That's what's fucked up about fish. They just keep growing. <laughs> River Monsters with Guy Fieri. I be flossing. That's what Guy Fieri needs. He needs to take a young black zoomer who can woe and nay nay. June 11th, 2023. Minnesota man invents beer powered motorcycle. History's been made. Why are we still doing anything? He invented a beer-powered motorcycle. Kai Michelson, whose previous inventions included a rocket-powered toilet, a jet-powered coffee pot, said the beer-powered motorcycle he created in the Bloomington garage was a 14-gallon keg with a heating coil instead of a gas-powered engine. The coil heats the beer up to 300 degrees, which then becomes superheated. The nozzle propels the bike forward. Yo, <laughs> A beer motorcycle? Call the Hells Angels. It's over. <laughs> bum, bum, ba, pa. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen. This just in. Kai Michelson has been assassinated. This reminds me of Stanley Meyer. The water fuel cell car. Anyway. It could be any kind of liquid... It could be Red Bull, it could be Caribou Coffee, it could be anything, even beer, said Kai Michelson. Oh my god. <laughs> but you owe me $8 at the pump. You ever hear those stories about truckers who put corn oil in their engine? Anyway, it's been fun. I'm gonna stop talking. My name is Nick Muniz. Seriously, thank you guys for chilling out. Hope we, uh got more in touch with the pulse of society, the news. Sponsored by Smegma.